Welcome to the Journey of a Christian Dad podcast. I'm your host, Dan Lewis. Who is the spiritual leader of your family? Is it you, your pastor, your spouse, the media? Do you know? I did. And sadly, no one was taking responsibility to lead our family. Well, friends, someone needs to take that job, and that man is you. You may not feel qualified, and some days I don't. With the help of God and a community of dads helping each other on their journey, you can be the leader your family deserves. We welcome you to the Journey of the Christian Dad podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Christian Dad podcast, where a bunch of guys hang out, talk, learn from each other, welcome you into the conversation. So today we're here with uh, Chris Cochran. <laughs> Chris has had a very interesting life, and recently his life has changed quite a bit. I think on a Saturday morning, if I got the story right, he thought he'd have some coffee, sounds like a normal day, and then make a little social media post, even though he doesn't do that very often. From there, him and I got connected. So Chris, are you on with us now? I think so. Good morning, Dan. How are you? Hey, all right, all right. I'm doing great. I'm doing yeah. great. Well, welcome. I, I guess we kind of already started in on, on, on what happened that day, but uh, let, let's back up for a, a second. Tell us a little bit about, about who you are. I, I loved kind of where you are in life, professional job, married, a daughter, um, yep. but uh, tell us a little bit about who you are. Yeah, so I am an assistant principal uh, in Northwest Arkansas, and I'm in a middle school, and uh, I love what I do. I love working with kids, and I'm also recently a new father, and so I've got an 11-month-old, and she's going to be a year old here on April 1st, April Fool's Day, baby. She's smart, I promise. She know April Fool, but uh, <laughs> so it's hard to believe that, I mean, we're coming up on a year of fatherhood here. It's just a blur. I mean, a big blur, but... Uh, yeah, my wife and I, we live here in uh, Northwest Arkansas. We just, we love it. We love being outside. We love all the opportunities that there are here. And I mean, it's just been a great blessing for us to be able to settle down up in here. Fantastic. So you uh, are an assistant principal and uh, sixth mm -hmm. to eighth grade is kind of the age of the kids that you hang out with. Yep. yep. Married, 11 month Married. old. Married. Uh-huh. Yep. All those things. Yeah. I get to see the kind of newborn aspect of child development. And then I get to go to a middle school and just put myself in all of the chaos and confusion of middle school hormones. So I, it's like walking from one alternate reality to another alternate reality. It's a pretty incredible experience every day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then you add administration and then you add uh, parents on top of all that. Oh yeah, just la it's just layers of complexity, and I love it. You know, it's it's challenge after challenge, but in the best kind of way. So, yeah, I mean, you think kids are the hardest to deal with, and I mean, we we love dealing with kids, but sometimes parents can be a challenge too. And uh, we love our relationships with parents, and we I think we've got the best parents. I think there probably are anywhere in a school, you know, but they're out there doing what's best for their kids, and you know, trying to help work through some of the challenges their kids face. And so we always have great conversations with those parents, just like we do with kids. And, and then working with teachers, hardest working people there are, no doubt, you know, and so I love getting to spend time with them also. <laughs> That's great. So earlier we were talking a little bit, and um, you told me a little bit about your faith life. So let, let's jump into that just a bit before we move into 
kind of what kind of that Saturday morning that uh, changed things for you? Okay, I was fortunate to grow up in church at a family who prioritized going to church, and it was your pretty typical, uh, you know, just kind of Sunday Wednesday deal. And then I took advantage of going to different uh, events that I could, um, you know, like lock-ins and, and retreats and things like that. And then as I got into college, I went to a Baptist college. And that was an incredible experience for me. It challenged me in a lot of ways. And throughout college, I was able to participate in kind of a, a traveling worship band. And we got to go play in a lot of places. And, you know, those are some of my best memories. And then in college, I met my wife. So, so you have a musician also? Yeah. Well, in a, in a past life, I was. Yeah, I kind of gave that up uh, <laughs> as, a, as I moved into adulthood, you know, and kind of got a more solid direction for my life. But yeah, no, I, I loved, I was, so I studied art as my first degree in college. And so it was just another way to be creative. And I had a great group of friends and we played music. And it was a blast. And then as I graduated, moved into education, kind of had to prioritize and, and give that stuff up. But I still look back on those days as you know, some of the best days ever. So and you're then, saying uh, how, how you met your wife? Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, met my wife and we dated for a couple of years in college and then it didn't work out for us at the time. And we, we went two separate ways and that really challenged my faith. I, I was confident at the time that she was the girl I should marry and that I was supposed to be with. And when it didn't work out, it really kind of put me into a, a weird gray area with my faith. And I wasn't just kind of sure how to handle all of that. And so, you know, fast forward about eight years, we got to reconnect and, you know, it was great. And we were both in very different places in life. And I think those places were a lot more compatible at the time. And so it ended up working out. We got married. And now we've got a little girl. And so I, just, I learned a lot about just God through that experience. And I learned, you know, that we, we are looking at life in snapshots and God's looking at a bigger picture. And a lot of those times we don't understand what's happening and we don't have perspective on what's happening, you know, he sees it all. And so I, I just, I didn't allow myself to trust that God had a plan, I think, through some of those gray years. And then when I reconnected with my wife and we came back around and got together, it just became apparent to me that things don't happen by accident and that he's got direction and plan and attention for all of those little moments in life that we experience. So that's been pretty transformative for me now moving into fatherhood and just learning to place my trust in him and, and, you know, lean on him through all the challenges that come with being a dad and a husband and a new husband. I mean, we've been married coming up <laughs> on two years. So like uh, all of that is a lot. Oh, that's great. And uh, yeah. yeah, I love that you brought that up about kind of the long view and uh, reactions to things when you can stay focused on, you know, the ultimate prize. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of the eternal perspective in the long view uh-huh. versus as you're going through through a struggle and everything and you had a shorter view and we're not trusting God as much during that time. Yeah. I, I just thought that was a great point that you brought up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I look at it as a flicker moment. And I, I'm, I'm sure you've probably heard this before, but, uh, you know, I think sometimes God works in what we call flickers and they're very subtle moments that are very easily overlooked. And if you're not in a place in your life where you're open to those flicker moments, you can completely miss them altogether. And what I love about flicker moments is when you realize that flicker is there, it can very quickly turn into a flame. And if you 
surround yourself with the right people and the right atmosphere and conditions, you know, God can take a, a flicker moment in our lives and turn them into a flame in our lives. And that, that was what getting married and what becoming a father ultimately was, was a flicker moment that turned into a flame. Wow, I love that. Of, yeah, yeah. So it just, it takes some of those dark places in our hearts that we don't have, I think, the courage to trust God with yet and he puts those flickers in there and that little bit of light can really take over the darkness pretty quick if we just are open to it and so I you know I, while being a father and a husband as you know better than just about anyone is, is hard uh, I feel energized by it, just knowing kind of what is happening and that that fire is growing and you know now it's just how do I give that fire to my little girl and raise her up in a way that you know she just is overcome with, with those kinds of things. Yes, yes. That is the, a really, really big question. And yep. something I realized before I had kids was that I better clean my own act up so I can be that dad and be that leader. And so thankful some people around me helped me come to that realization and uh, understand that that was a huge responsibility in life I had that at yep. that time I, I didn't understand. I didn't know, didn't know that that was my job. Well, how could you, you know? And I mean, you said it right there. That's probably the most powerful thing. If I could ever give advice to guys about to become new fathers, I mean, that aspect of leading up to the birth, I think is the most underutilized time there is because you you said it right there. You got to clean your act up. And I think the big part of that is having the vulnerability to look at yourself and say, what are the weak areas that I've been kind of brushing under the rug in my life that are going to be fully exposed when I'm a father in a you know, and now raising up a, a child or children, you know, and doing it alongside a wife. And if I don't deal with those areas before the chaos of a kid comes into the picture, it's going to be hard to really deal with those throughout fatherhood. And they can really be damaging. And I'm, I'm, I'm feeling those effects. I didn't have the kind of foresight that you had to kind of dig into those before becoming a dad. Now that we're about a year into it, I'm realizing, man, some of my insecurities that I didn't deal with early are going to be a huge challenge moving forward. And I've got to figure out a way to micromanage that and still be a, a father and a husband on top of that. So, I mean, if any of your listeners out there are new, about to be new fathers, trust me, get a journal and get some friends and dive into some of those areas in your life that you feel like could be stronger for sure. <laughs> Evan, uh, Evan, who's normal, <clears throat> normally with us, our, our co-host, He's mm -hmm. about to be a dad here. And, uh, All right. Well, congrats, Evan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's got maybe five more months or so mm. to go. And, uh, yeah, so he's really, really excited, and he's doing a lot of preparation and getting ready. And so pretty exciting, pretty exciting. Uh, I say with, with that backdrop, I was thinking maybe we could get into that Saturday morning and kind of, like, tell, tell us about how that day went and what you were thinking and uh, – I'll let you kind of take it from there. We've been talking about kind of protection and things mm -hmm. and that on this podcast, you know, as dads, we like to protect in different things. And then I caught your social media post, and I'm like, huh, how funny that this shows up right at the same time. We're having this conversation. Good. Good. If anyone has kids in school, they know that the school building and the school atmosphere is just a, a unique place for kids. And they're bombarded with a hundred different things from a hundred different directions every day. And it's very hard on kids to kind of figure out how to work through those challenges. And then you throw technology in the mix and there's no safe place for a kid anymore. You know, they go to school and they are hit with all kinds of challenges and they go home and get on their device and they're hit with just a million more challenges and 
situations that they may not know how to work through and internalize in a negative way. And what I've been learning lately, you know, in my job, we, we want to focus on learning and, and raising kids up to be the best, you know, most productive citizens they can be and have great jobs and, you know, feel like they can achieve all the things they need to in life. And a large majority of time that we want to be spending on that gets spent on helping kids work through some of these new problems that they're experiencing through the online world. And on top of that, what we're realizing is a lot of these kids are going home and they're using their phones without a lot of supervision and they're getting into these very deep conflicts that have a lot of layers. And then they're coming to school and they're getting in the same physical place as some of these other kids. And all of those conflicts that are happening online are now manifesting in this very physical way and kids don't know how to deal with it. And it just completely stonewalls their ability to learn because they're not focused on learning. They're focused on these problems that feel heavy and real to them right, right there in that moment. And so if we want kids to learn, we got to work through those issues. And I, I've been getting increasingly frustrated because, well, I don't see that a lot of parents, and I, I want to say a lot, but we also have great parents that do engage regularly, but I don't see a lot of parents engaging with their kids at home. They're just kind of trusting their kids to know how to use social media appropriately. And I don't think kids are bad. I don't think that they inherently want to be bad. I don't think they make bad decisions on purpose. But, you know, when, when you give them a tool and you don't teach them how to use it, you can't, you don't have any say in what direction they go in with it. And so I got up this one morning just frustrated because I see a lot of kids struggling and, you know, we're trying to get ahead of it and we can't get ahead of it at school if we don't have the support at home. And I just, I put it out there to parents, like parents, this is a real thing that your kids are dealing with. And we see it every day. And it's very hard and challenging on your kids. And if you want them to be successful in school and you want them to not have to worry about some of these conflicts, you need to get engaged with them at home and watch what they're doing online. So I just put out there, here's, here's what we're seeing. And here's some of the dangers. And here's three simple tips that you can start to implement right away if you feel like you're a parent that needs to get ahead of this. And, you know, you can use one of these. You can use three of these. You can modify it based on the relationship you have with your kids and I put it on my Facebook feed and I had a couple of friends repost it and then one girl reached out to me and she said hey I want to share this with a friend of mine but she's not one of your friends so can you make it public for me <laughs> and I thought sure let me make it public for you and you know fast forward two weeks and I, it just is blown up never in my wildest would I have guessed people would have been interested in reading that and it's led to a whole bunch of unique online experiences it's led to a whole bunch of overwhelming support from educators and parents out there and i've gotten a lot of pushback from people and it's opened up a lot of doors you know like this one right here getting to be on your podcast and so it's given me a unique platform just to kind of talk about fatherhood and education in the you know the area where those intersect a lot more and so i've been very really grateful for the opportunity but i mean talk about a bizarre two weeks <laughs> you know how who, who would have ever imagined that early morning coffee grant would have turned into you know a conversation that a lot of people want to be having and may not be having enough of it's been it's been great to experience 51,000 shares in two weeks ABC I mean, online yeah. picked it up the other day mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> <laughs> a couple of websites, you know, a couple of repos. It's, it's led to some opportunities to do a little bit more writing and, you know, a couple of chances to talk on a podcast, which I would have never even thought would have been a part of that. And 
and you know, it's connected me with a lot of incredible people. And I think that's my biggest benefit is just like yourself. It's, it's allowed me to expand my network of like-minded people that want to have the same conversation and want to work on the same challenges and just want to, you know, build community around some of these issues, which yeah, they're never going to get tackled if there's not community built around them and we're not asking the right questions and having the right conversations. So uh, I'm, I'm grateful for the door to open and now I just need to walk through it, make the best of it. So you keep bringing up, and you've said it different ways, but the people around you, community, influence from others. And when we first connected, you talked about being a newer father, that you were looking for a community of dads uh, so that you could be surrounded by guys going through what you're going through or maybe a little bit in front of you so you can pick up some wisdom that way. Like, yes. where where does this sense come from that uh, this is obviously something that uh, is important mm-hmm. to you and an understanding you have that maybe some people that I know don't? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, right now it comes from experience. And so I, well, my wife and I found out we were pregnant. The first thing we did was we went to Barnes and Noble and we bought books, which books are good. <laughs> I mean, books are good and they're great resources. But if I could do it over, if I could tell, you know, someone in my position who finds out today that they're going to be a father, I would say, don't go buy books first, go find your brothers, you know, and build a tangible community of new fathers, expecting fathers, like fathers with grown up kids around you. Because when you are in moments where you're not sure what to do and you're panicking and you don't know how to handle it. And you just, to turn to a book is hard, but to turn, pick up your phone and turn to someone in your network, someone you have a relationship with and just say, what did you do? What's your advice? I mean, that is so much more valuable. And I don't want to downplay the role that any of these authors have in this process because they put out great material for us. And I I do turn to books often, but man, build that network around you. And the network is sustainable. It, it, like books, information changes, but networks, people around you, they are always there. Their experiences change with your experiences. Their knowledge adapts to your situation, you know? And so I would tell any of these dads and moms and parents in general, just get with as many people as you can and, and build those connections right away. And that's going to carry over into when your kids are in school. And I see a lot of our kids that are the most successful in school are kids that grow up with strong communities around them, whether it's in church or whether it's on little league teams or whether it's through different, you know, just hobbies or activities their parents have gotten them into. And that's beneficial for both the kid and the parent, because now you're surrounded with parents who are in the same stage of life that you can just vent your frustrations and your challenges to. And you can watch your kids build relationships from an early age and feel connected and again, those real world connections, that's the most invaluable part. These online connections are, they're good to some degree, but they don't feel real all the time. And kids need people right in front of them. So, I mean, I know I've kind of covered a wide range there, but I, I would, if I could go back and do it over again, the one thing I would do is, is instead of going to Barnes and Noble first, I would have gone and found the nearest person I could that was a father and said, I want to start here. What do I do? Let's <laughs> What's the first step? Because I think that's what that would have led me down that path of dealing with those insecurities and those places in myself that weren't ready to be a dad, like you mentioned earlier. I think that would have come up through those relationships right away. So it's important. Yeah, that's a great point. Right around the time after I'd become a dad, I happened to meet a guy named Larry Hagner, and he was getting ready to start a podcast. He was getting ready to 
write a book and turns out the podcast was already in production. The book was 95% finished. It was going through final editing and binding and right. all those type things. He's now one of my best friends in the world. So you're like kind of looking yeah. for a you know, online resource and community. So I know I pointed you his direction. So I'm looking forward uh-huh. to hearing you on his podcast also. Uh, I'm excited. Yeah. And I appreciate that. You know, I really do. So, yeah. Yeah. So like that was one of the guys and another guy in the health and fitness, a guy, guy that happens to have the model health show, the number one health and fitness uh, podcast out there in the world. And okay, so I've just been connecting to guys in areas that are important to me uh, on purpose and accidentally at the same time. But when they show up in my life, it's like, man, I gotta, I gotta, you know, talk to them and see how I might be able to help them. But at the same yep. time, you know, I know what their strength is and, you know, know where I can ask them questions and things. So it's, I just love the fact that you're talking about community and like, that's something I talk about a lot as well. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's so important. So important. And, you know, like as, as, as we get older too, you know, adults, they can manage an online community a lot better than I think kids can. And so I don't want to downplay the role that, you know, building an, an online network can play because, you know, when you're, when you've got coping skills and, and you're rooted in reality, that online network can be really great. And the kids, they, they struggle with that. So, uh, but I love that, you know, you're building a network in specific areas. And that's something that I, I would love to kind of challenge myself to do is, is look for people who excel in areas that I want to grow in and, you know, intentionally build out those networks too. Yeah, there's a guy here in St. Louis. I, I'm an insurance broker by trade, so mm-hmm. I have to network with a lot of people for a living. And one of my friends is a guy named Brian McRae, and he started uh, uh, a group called Mastermind St. Louis, and he's getting ready to go national with it. And it's Good. showing people how to create real long-term relationships uh, in a business way but then that also just flows right into personal relationships and things as well. And uh, so just really, really neat to have people like that, you know, around you in your life. And then some strong faith-based people as well. um, You know, so that you're, whenever you start goofing up in an area, you've got somebody right there to say, Hey man, (laughs) that's right. I don't know if you know that, but I I saw this, you know, what's going Mm on. Well, and that, uh, you know, that really is a great segue into why I put that call, call out to parents and, um, and why I think it's so important the parents are diving into what their kid's doing online because that, what, you just, what you just mentioned right there is accountability. And, and the way I describe it to a lot of parents is if someone walks into a room of people and they start just saying horrible things to someone else, people in that room are going to stand up and they're going to do what's right and they're going to interact and they're going to, you know, they're going to hold that person accountable. Right. And when someone does that online, there's not that layer of accountability. It's unfiltered and no one bounces it back at them. And it just, you know, there's no relationship behind that or no engagement behind that. And what I've learned, especially through this experience with kind of going small time viral is when people have hurt in their lives or they've experienced hurt, their natural tendency is to project that hurt onto other people. And 
sometimes they do it on purpose. Sometimes they don't realize that's what they're doing. And it's the same in real life. And we see it with kids all the time, but that's partly because they just don't know what they're doing. Right. Uh, but whenever you, whenever someone in the real world starts to project their hurt onto other people, people notice and they're going to get engaged with that person. They're going to find out where is this coming from? What does this person need? How can we help this person? But when someone does it online, they don't get that pushback. And so all of that hurt just becomes a weight on someone else's shoulders and causes them to doubt themselves or to have emotional or, um, you know, kind of mental issues. And it, it's kids. I mean, they're sponges and they soak this up. And, and here's the thing about cell phones and well, the internet cell phone is just a tool to get there, but kids experience crisis. And that's what, you know, 20 years ago, when a kid went to school for the first time, that was really the first time in their life they would be exposed to potentials for crisis and trauma. And when I say crisis and trauma, I don't mean, you know, necessarily on a massive scale, but a broken friendship can be a crisis to a kid. Not making a cheer team can be a crisis to a kid. You know, even some kids failing a test can be a crisis. But that was usually their first exposure to that stuff. And by that time, parents had really been able to build in some coping skills with their kids to help them micromanage and navigate through that but with the introduction of the internet and social media and constant connectedness kids no longer get a break from that so it's just completely amplified kids access to crisis so for example when a kid leaves school they no longer go home to a safe place necessarily a lot of these kids go home get on their phones and now they're just exposed to the potential for crisis and trauma online and so their their chance of hitting crisis behaviors are now 24 seven. And if parents have it front loaded and built in the coping skills, you know, kids aren't even know how to navigate that. And what my message to parents is, is if you don't start building those coping skills in early, even before they get to school, to try to build coping skills into a kid who's already in crisis is almost impossible. At that point, you're just trying to manage the crisis. And we need to be preventative about this. So that's why it's so important that, you know, from an early, early age, you are exposing your kids to the idea of failure, helping them learn to navigate what to do when they fail. Like, what do those emotions feel like? What, how do you, what do you learn from it? Helping them navigate broken relationships, you know, or problems. And I know it sounds like big words for a little kid, but you can do that. And what that does is when they get to school and they start experiencing those in a less controlled environment with people that your parents didn't intentionally put around you, they can kick into some of those coping skills. And then we as a school can help flesh the rest of that out and to get the parents on our team. But when parents haven't front loaded that stuff into their kids, we're in complete damage control. And you can't build those skills in when you're trying to repair a foundation. You know, you can't build those coping skills in the house on top of a broken foundation. We got to start with a solid foundation. And so I love what you said, uh, just, you know, leading into that. That's why it's so important. That's really where I was coming from with my post. It was just kind of a plea to parents to say, Hey, like we see this in, it's hard to see at home, but if you're not diving into what your kids are doing and having conversations with them and building that relationship with them and fleshing that out, you're not going to see the signs like we do at school where we see them interacting with people every day. You know, it's so important. And we need to be putting adults in this world with solid coping skills to micromanage an increasingly large online world as well as the physical world they live in every day. It's just, I can't. I could talk on and on about it. Is there a story or an example of the first time that your mind, for some reason, you had to look through a phone or 
but something where you, you're you just stopped and oh my gosh, I didn't realize that mm-hmm. it was this big of a deal. Or, or when did you come to that realization? Have you got have you got something there where it, it just changed in your in your mind? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I don't want to get into too much detail, and and when I put that post out there, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of things that would disturb you, and that's part of we're talking middle school kids. But I think for me, a turning point was even just oh, what really spurred me to write the post which you came in a few weeks ago i you know just caught a video on a kid's phone that just almost made me throw up in the corner and it was it was just a very graphic video and it, it, it i just kind of looked at the kid it was like what why is this even here and what's what is this even doing on your phone and what value does it even add to your life and you know i'm not going to go into a lot more detail than that but um you know a lot of people yeah, wanted to yeah. but you know, wherever your head's going right now, it's probably pretty accurate. Okay. And, and I don't want to, you know, it wasn't pornographic in nature, but I, I don't want to, you know, be an alarmist to you. But yeah, there's some concerning stuff on kids' phones, things that you're just like, yeah, what is a 10-year-old or 11-year-old doing, even knowing what this stuff is at this age, much less engaging with it. But uh, that experience that I had right there was kind of the tipping point for me of, I, I've got to say something to the people out there just um you know in situations that post was kind of misleading in a way everyone was was like oh they're just out there searching kids phones that's not the case i mean a school of 900 kids i may look at three or four phones a year you know we have great kids and they're more than willing willing to share screenshots with me or screencasts with me of conversations that are inappropriate or things that are happening that shouldn't be happening you know so we're not out here just trying to create criminals or we're not out here to just random search. You know, that's not what it's about. Um, the only time we would ever even consider looking through a phone is if a law is being broken or the school is in danger or a student's, you know, mental or emotional health might be at risk and we need to just kind of verify some things. And in those situations, we don't do a deep dive into the phone. We just look at the specific things we need to back up what's yeah. being said. Yeah. And then we hand it off to the parent, you know, and, and, in 90% of the cases, if I don't even need to look at the phone to know what's on it, and, you know, I just take it and I put it in our vault and I call the parent and I say, listen, this is what we're dealing with. This is what I'm about 99% sure is on the phone. I want to hand this to, hand this off to you and I want you to look through it and, you know, have the conversations with your kids. And then if you want to call me the next day, if you're concerned about what you find or you think we need to talk, please give me a call and we can meet and talk through some of it and figure out what we need to do as a school to help support you as a parent. That's how that 90% of the time goes. But I didn't, like I said, had I thought a couple thousand people would get into that post <laughs> and not just 30, I would have, I would have fleshed that out a little bit better. But, um, you know, and I, I didn't want that to be the point. I wanted to say, Hey parents, here's three easy things to get engaged with your kids. But so, but there are, I mean, some broken kids out there from broken homes and broken backgrounds and, and you know, those kids, they're just on the front line of a battle for their lives in middle school is the most pivotal time of a kid's life. And what happens in middle school, that's the direction that they go in through high school and ultimately through their life. And so we are just battling every day for the heart and soul and mind of some of these kids. Uh, and want to set them on the right path, you know, a path that they can be successful and proud of when they look back on their life 15 years later, 10 years later, you know, 
Yeah, you bring up navigating social media, and you know we're uh, we're not kids anymore. And uh, you, uh-huh. you and I talked a bit about you know just trying to figure it out for our own selves. Oh yeah, and gosh. Uh-huh. Imagine putting that on a on a sixth grader. My goodness. Yeah, I mean, listen, we're adults, and the technology and the the apps are changing so fast. And that was one of my tips: was hey guys, like you need to educate yourself. You know, be looking at the app store, be looking at what new apps are being downloaded and just, you know, if you need to download them for yourself, just to figure it out and do it. Like as a parent, that's your obligation. That's your job is to get your kids away. But I mean, if adults struggle with this, it, you know, think about kids. And w- one thing I like to tell people and, you know, when I shared with our church about it, one thing I said was, you know, if you want just a snapshot at some of the things your kids are experiencing online, go scroll through the 6,000 plus comments on that post that I wrote. And these are adults talking and look at some of the hate and some of the ignorance and some of the just, you know, things that were thrown out there by adults and then think, okay, well now put that into a kid with, you know, a prefrontal cortex isn't fully developed yet and can't think through right and wrong as well. And think about how that, how much, stronger those comments are towards other kids you know just that's a snapshot of what our kids are dealing with and here's adults that struggle with the same thing and i think that's something that we're going to really see now that the first generation of parents who grew up with technology are learning how to parent you know parenting is fundamentally changing and the online world is the new proving ground for the modern family like it's the new place the modern family is going to be defined and it's because now like you and I for example a bulk of our life has been spent with technology so we're now first generation second generation parents learning how to parent in an online world whereas my parents they didn't have technology so they were in their 40s you know and 50s and they're just now learning how to use it so they didn't have to try to they'd have to try to parent through that you know so it's just added a whole nother layer into an already impossible job of parenting. And yeah, the playbook's still being written, right? Oh, 100%. Yeah, it's, it's the thing about technology is because it's constantly evolving. I don't know if there will ever be a playbook, Dan. You know, it's like every time you think you've got something figured out, something new is going to be rolling up in there, <laughs> which, is, you know, which is why the, the relationship is so important because we're never going to be able to police our kids activity online fully we're never going to be able to fully limit their access it's constant so you got to be preventative about it and build relationships early let them know early that you're nosy because if kids are going to be smart they're going to get around parents being nosy that's just a reality but if you build trust with your kids and you you know teach them how to handle things right and you teach them that it's safe to come talk to you as a parent when something happens online or in real life that makes them feel uncomfortable and they're not sure what to do with it. That's how you're going to teach kids to be positive online citizens and positive producers of online content and positive consumers of online content because it's it's there. It's there whether we like it or not. So we just got to get ahead of it and try to build the foundation early. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. I, when I when I hear you say that, I I like every parenting thing I think about. I'm like, if I can just use that one little filter of love God above all else and right. love your neighbor. Okay. Am I, you, you know, is this a response that is loving God or is it loving my neighbor and, or is it selfish or is it, 
uh, where I'm not caring about my neighbor kind of a thing. And if I can okay. start there, oftentimes I come up with a pretty good answer. Right. Absolutely. And that, so that philosophy is where I take my faith into my job, you know, is I don't know where in this whole process people's trust in public education was broken. But I, I had so many people just kind of talk about that post from a way where they didn't trust what the school was trying to do with their kids and for their kids. And, you know, when I interact with kids and parents, I try to come from that perspective of, you know, love thy neighbor, want what's best for them, not we're just going to be punitive and try to punish, but, you know, we want yes. to teach and set kids on the right path. And the same with parents, you know, we want to educate and teach parents. I would never tell a parent they're a bad parent, but I'll be the, as a new parent, I'll be the first to admit I got so much to learn it's impossible, you know, and I need to be open-minded and allow other people just to speak some wisdom and, and let me know what they're seeing. And I need to be receptive to that and be able to take it and use it with my kids. It's crazy. It really is. It could be crazy for you being an educator, having some schooling behind you, having interactions with kids to, I'm a great dad. I know everything there is to know about parenting. No, man. Yeah, if anything, it's the opposite. Being an, a professional educator, <laughs> having schooling behind me, and becoming a new father, it, what it told me is I don't know anything about this. I, like, <laughs> I, I, I think I do, and I really just, I don't. And, but I think that's the approach you have to have and, and the mindset you have to have as a parent. Like, so many people on that post also said, who are you to tell me how to parent? Like, I'm not telling you how to parent. I'm just telling you what we're seeing. I'm giving you a heads up, you know. And I don't have – a, a solution I don't have a solution I, I gave three tips and I could give quite a few more just suggestions and how to you know get ahead of this but there's not an answer and I think a lot of times our modern parents want answers and I think that's a byproduct of the social media age where you are getting information in small chunks and you've stripped it down to what you only need to have is we just think that there's answers and if there's not an answer we're not interested in it and it's like no this is nuanced and layered and you have to be willing to have the conversation and then take that conversation and based on your relationship with your kids, and the dynamic of your family, apply it how you need to. But the whole point is you've got to have a plan. That plan may not be perfect. It may not always work. And what we try to teach our kids is when you do something and it doesn't work, you don't just drop it. You look at why it didn't work and you make the changes and you try it again. And that's the same with parenting. You know, so many people threw back at me, oh, well, you don't know me. You don't know that I work two jobs. You don't know that I can't have dinner with my kids every night. You're right. I don't know that. And that's great. If you can't have dinner with your kids every night because you're providing for them, I completely respect that. I hate that that's the position you're in. But so then what's the next alternative? If you, if you can't have dinner yes. and conversation with your kid, what's, what's the alternative? As a, as a parent, you, your job is your part-time job and parenting is your full-time job. And that's not my quote. Someone said that. I don't know who it is. But when you look at it that way, you can't use this, I work two jobs, or I work and can't have these, you know, moments with my kids. That's, that's not the case. You're, as a parent, you have to make that happen. You have to figure it out. And I hate to, I hate to say it that way, and I hate to, you know, be forceful about it, but I, I don't accept the excuse that I'm working, and because of that, I can't build a relationship with my kids. You've got to figure it out. It, it's imperative to them. So. Yes, yes, for sure. So you you brought up a couple tips. What other tips do you have for for parents? Yeah. So other than the tips that I put in the post, which I mean, 
I tried this through the post, just work through what. Like and and the, feel, feel free and recap the post too, if okay. you like, you know. Yeah. Well, I, I'll, I'll start with the post because I wanted to start with the relationship and then build through broken trust. And so my first tip in the post was eat dinner with your kids every night, have it be a technology free event and just have conversations with them. And why that's important is it's establishing trust and building a relationship. I would love for parents to not feel like they have to check their kids' phones. I want the parents to get to the place where they can say, what happened today? How was your day? Did anything happen that made you feel happy? Well, what, why? Why did it make you glad? Did anything happen that made you feel upset or confused? Well, talk to me about that. Why did it make you feel upset or confused? Well, what, what do you think we should do about it? You know, I want that to be how parents start their interaction. My second tip was um, create content with your kids. Your kids are going to get on social media and you're, they're going to create content. They're going to post, they're going to comment, they're going to do all of that. And what's crazy is I accidentally went viral with this post that our kids, they're trying to do that. And they're increasingly <laughs> trying to create the most ridiculous things they can to get the most views they can. And I even now it's, it's gone a step further where our kids aren't trying to go viral, but they're, you know, they're trying to go invisible and with all these apps like snapchat where their content will disappear and twitter's you know they're they're working on some new features that might allow tweets to disappear and there's a ton of different apps out there that i can't even mention that also have the same functionality you know they're trying to, to go viral and then have it disappear it's, it's just crazy to me but if as parents if we can start creating content with our kids and getting engaged we can kind of shape the narrative for them so you know, I see a lot of dads and a lot of parents and a lot of moms out there that create little Instagram posts with their kids or create Snapchat posts with their kids. And what they're yeah, doing that is they're training their, they're training their kids. I'm, I'm sure you do it too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I've got a little YouTube channel with both of my daughters because they like to do little videos and stuff and they love uh -huh. it when, you know, even one, one person, you know, liked it or whatever. Did grandma yep. and grandpa say something on there? Yeah, they did. <laughs> Right, right, exactly, and, and that's exactly right. Because at some point, your kids are going to be older, and they're going to start creating on their own. And you want to hope that what you taught them through that process of doing it together carries on through the process of them doing it on their own when they don't have the accountability of you right there. You know, and a lot of that happens when the kids move out of the house or when they're in high school, and, and you're you're trying to strip back kind of what accountability you have with them to teach them to start to be adults. You know, and work through situations on their own. The third tip I just gave parents is educate yourself, you know, like spend time in the app store, the Google play store, whatever your platform is, and just look at what apps are being developed. Look at what the goal of those apps are. You know, a lot of parents said, how do I do this? Well, there's all kinds of resources online, but the best way to start is just open up the app store and just look at what's the most downloaded apps in different categories and, you know, look at what, read the description, look at what the goal of those apps are. And that's just the best place to start. If I could then add just some things that weren't in the post on top of that, uh, I would say, you know, building the community around you is important because another way that community will help is if you can strip your kids back from relying on the online world for their community and put them in physical community, that just, you know, helps them practice their tangible relationships and causes them to rely less on those online social relationships. So that's a big one. Uh, and getting your kids involved in creating experiences for them was another thing I mentioned in the post that I would flesh out more. You know, as parents, we have a hard job. We're busy. It just seems like there's never enough time, but 
I think other than building that relationship at the dinner table, creating opportunities for your kids to have unique experiences is the second most important way to help them build coping skills, to help increase your relationship with them, that trust in them, but it also helps their brains develop and develop in the right way because every exposure to a new thing, every exposure to a new experience, every exposure to a new challenge that you can walk through with them is just building out their capacity to do it on their own later. So I would just tell parents, hey, get creative, try new things with them and participate. Don't just go somewhere, pay for them to do it and sit on the side and watch. Get in there as best you can and participate with them. So that, I mean, that's a lot, but if parents can just start there, I think they're going to see immediate benefits right away. And don't get discouraged. This, this stuff takes time. And I would just tell parents too, like, I'm an impatient person by nature. And if I don't see immediate results, it's hard for me to want to stick with it. But just trust the process, stick with it, and eventually you will start to see results, no matter how old your kids are. You just got to allow it to play out. We tell parents all the time, trust the process. It's hard right now, but just trust that process and keep at it, and it'll work for you. So. Yeah. Start there. <laughs> Trust the process. <laughs> There's a, a local guy here in St. Louis. He helps uh, coach the uh, Alabama Crimson Tide. I think he's like their uh, performance coach. So he yep. Yep. There you go. helps them with mindset and stuff. And Ben Ben talks about that all the time. Trust the process. Exactly right. He's right. That's fantastic. So what, what type of things do you focus on as a dad? So you've, you've got your professional side. And, you know, we talked a little bit about, uh, you know, having a new baby born changes your life. And yeah, I don't know if you want to talk about shared with each other about. Yeah. Um, you know, my focus as a father recently has kind of, I've had two focuses, you know, as a dad, I'm trying to get better at understanding my child. Like uh, my wife is incredible because she just, I feel like she intuitively gets our little girl. She knows when she needs to eat and what she needs to eat. Yeah, I mean, just all those little things I think dad sometimes struggle with. And I think that's because the mom has started day one as the provider for, you know, our little girl and, and that connection. And she's just good at it. So I'm trying to really understand my daughter and um, just do what I can to play catch up to, to build that relationship with her. And as she's getting more, mobile and vocal I, I can see my role starting to become more important which is good but I think the biggest thing I've had to focus on recently in fatherhood is actually becoming a better husband and becoming a dad has really highlighted some areas where I struggle as a husband where my insecurities as a you know an adult male were never really dealt with early on and so you know my wife has a hard already being a mom and all the moms out there power to you but now me as a husband and my insecurities my natural tendency is to pile those insecurities on her too and that's not fair to her she you know that's a lot for her to handle and you know every day I find myself as I enter new territories of father and those insecurities flare up my natural reaction is to project those onto her and I'm so I'm working really hard as a, as a new new dad as a younger husband and by younger I just mean like we're not that far into our, our marriage, but I'm working hard on figuring out what my coping skills as an adult, because coping skills, they evolve, you know, like we can build them as kids and as adults, we have to have a different set of them. Yeah, it's there, it's true. And so I, I'm trying to build out my coping skills and figure out now that I'm in, you know, in the business of, of fatherhood and, you know, being a husband, how can I 
manage my own emotions instead of project those onto other people, especially my wife. It's hard, and bless her heart, man. I, I don't make it any easier on her, <laughs> but that's that's where that's where kind of I'm at. Couple great things, and I love the fact that you're focused on being a better husband because uh, I think if if that piece and if you aren't serving your wife, loving your wife, and becoming a great model, uh, you know, to your kid, what a husband wife relationship looks like. If that's not strong, then I think a lot of a lot of the rest of it will just totally break down. So it sounds funny to some to focus on being a better husband that that would make you a better dad but i think that's a well i mean i was i'm just going to piggyback off that too building out my community you know we talk a lot about building out our fatherhood communities but i also i need to be building out my husband community and just looking at guys that are not only great role models as fathers but great role models as husbands too because when you have a family your role as a husband changes like you've mentioned multiple times and again i don't i don't always know how to be a great husband in the role of a family. So I just need that example, you know, on top of other things. Yeah, absolutely. Something me and my wife do is we've got a few couples in our often will double date with them. And it's funny how they're kind of the, the picture pick model marriage. And then when you get some private time with them, you really struggles. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yep. The struggles there. We need to, we've got some great couples in our life. we try to double date. We're, we're just not getting to a point where we feel pretty comfortable leaving our little girl with like grandparents for a longer period of time, which is going to yeah. open up, I think, some more doors for us to get back to some of our pre-parenthood activities, which will be good for us. But just making the time for it, you have, you have to be intentional. Connect with other parents that, uh, you know, nap time or time. Mm-hmm. time. More best friends have a, a little girl with two and a half, so just a little bit older, but their needs are completely different than ours. Even spending time with them is challenging because, you know, we love them and we love their little girl, but like our girl needs naps at different times than theirs. And so even, you know, even though we're in similar places in life, there's still so many different ways are things that we need to work through. But I mean, you're right. We got to get out there double date. And I love that idea. I wanted to see if there's anything else that maybe we haven't touched on a topic or something that you want to expand on a little bit. I, I greatly, greatly appreciate your time and your wisdom, just sharing really everything that I could ask for from a person, time and perspective and everything else. But is there something maybe we haven't touched on that, uh, that you'd like to bring up? No, I, I mean, I think we've covered everything that I think I could bring to the table. I just, if I could close it out, just in a message here, to your listeners and you know those fathers out there and even those mothers and parents that maybe uh in a similar place as us i just we i appreciate you from a school administrator standpoint i appreciate what our parents do you know i'll, I'll be the first to admit the job is impossible and i i know i believe and i want to operate from the belief that everyone's doing the best they can and so i appreciate you guys and i just would ask that you know you trust the school officials you work with and be open-minded about that and, and be a partner with those people and not work against them or you know, treat them as the enemy. And so that's the professional side. The father side of me, I would just say, hey, all you dads out there, I get it. Like, I get it, and I'm right there in the stick with you, and I know you are too, Dan. And, like, I think the best thing we can do is 
allow ourselves to be vulnerable and admit where we are struggling and go from there. If we can't do that, we're never going to build out those communities. We're never going to build out those weaker areas in our lives that might impact our families someday. So this is just my appreciation to all the dads out there being vulnerable and sharing their experiences because it has had a huge impact on me more than I think most of them will ever know. One, one other thing before I throw out our, our ending challenge, there's yeah. a software out there called Bark. And what uh-huh. Bark does is it monitors uh, social media for you and uh, internet activity and different things. So as a parent, if you're looking to have a clue when things are maybe going haywire for your kids, uh, this Bark software literally notifies you as it, you know, picks up keywords or things outside of, uh, you know, the rating scale that you'd have or they're going to websites or just any of that type of stuff. It's another layer to uh, you doing the monitoring yourself. You actually get clued in that, hey, there's something. Um, so my, my friend Larry Hagner clued me into that software and, uh, and, uh, and that's been great. Yeah, that, I love that idea. And I actually, so as a school official, I've been in communication with Bark and, you know, I'm oh, wow. working with them to, yeah, I'm working with them to kind of get some of their material uh, in the hands of our counselors, because I think what you are hitting at is really important. We talk to a lot of parents, but we don't always give them tangible tools to walk out of our school with. And so, you know, asking a parent of a middle schooler, especially to start getting involved with their kids' social media can feel overwhelming in that that can be kind of paralyzing to parents and cause them just to not even get into it. So I would, I love that you threw that out because one thing that we want to do is be able to give a parent who needs to probably have a little tighter grip on what their kids are doing. We want to give that tool to them and say, Hey, you know what? Here's a great first step. If you don't want to be completely invasive, go download this app and, you know, let it kind of help guide you through a great way to start, uh, you know, keeping track of what your kids are doing. So I'm glad you threw that out. Thank you for that. Yeah, it's cool that uh, cool that schools and you and everybody else are are working with it too. Because I think we do need you know not only parenting and peer to peer relationship help, but you know if technology can help as well. For it, all right. So let's uh, let's close this out with a little challenge. We'll throw something out there. Men like challenges, so mm-hmm. the challenge for this week is to connect with the others. Maybe plan a date night with another couple that you respect. Maybe just reaching out to a dad like Chris mentioned and, you know, connecting on a deeper level. But uh, use this week to build out your community and grow your community so that when you need help or when you can offer help, you've got those kind of people in your life. As parents, sometimes we can isolate ourselves, And, you know, if you do that for too long, you realize you don't have a community anymore. But uh, if you take action and do something with it. Now you'll have a great community when you need them. And uh, I need mine daily. So Chris Good. brought it up and I'll, I'll reinforce it. And that, that'll be our challenge for this week. Good. How's that sound, Chris? That's, yeah, outstanding. I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm going to leave here and I'm going to meet that challenge and we're going to plan it and get going. So Awesome. Awesome. Well, sounds good. I, I appreciate your time greatly. Uh, Chris Cochran right now, he's on Facebook. And uh, apparently his posts are now public. <laughs> apparently they are. I'm about to go back and change so, that. But. <laughs> <laughs> Feel free and connect with Chris. So Chris uh, has said that he'd, he'd be open to connecting with uh, other dads out there who are striving to become great dads, especially Christian dads. So we appreciate you listening and we appreciate you and your time and your wisdom today, Chris. 
It's been my pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you so much. And we'll see you in the next episode. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Journey of a Christian Dad podcast. Thank you guys for being a light. Shine that light out and let others see it. With you guys, part of this community, it helps me be accountable to you guys. It helps me be accountable to myself be accountable to God and Jesus. Hope you appreciated this episode and picked up some great things. Hope you like the challenge and hope you can execute on that challenge this week. I ask of you, please subscribe, share the show with others. Join us inside of the Journey of a Christian Dad on Facebook, inside our private community. Share that community with others. Have your buddies join. Have other dads that are looking to grow in their faith grow as spiritual leaders of their family. As we engage in our journey and be intentional with it, we can help others grow theirs as well. We thank you again for listening. We thank you for all your reviews. Look forward to reading a review of yours on a future show. So, dear God, thanks for blessing all of us and thanks for drawing us closer to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Have fun, guys.